Well, Merry Christmas, Salt Church. How are we doing? Pretty excited about this? You know, I can understand if there's a little bit of confusion. I was just talking to some whose first week was last week, and, and I can imagine thinking, okay, last week you were in a Jewish center, dressed casual, baptizing people in the name of Jesus. Now you're at a brewery celebrating Christmas dressed up. Wait, what? You know, so we're glad that you're here. We do things a little bit different. We have fun mixing it up, and we're excited about the coming of Jesus, who came, and we celebrate that and look forward to his next coming. And uh, I get to uh, celebrate and give you some news that has made headlines everywhere by now. If you were here last week, you probably heard that Sally the cat was missing, but now Sally the cat has been found. Yeah. Yeah, this, this cat has been an overnight sensation. It got very popular. If you weren't here last week, it was a cat that I nearly thought I was going to run over, didn't run it over. But literally, my daughter came into the house. We were having a Monday evening elders meeting at our home, kind of an extended meeting. And Claire said, I saw the cat. We shot out of there. We're going around the neighborhood thinking, no one can catch a cat. I mean, unless it's a dog. But, um, but we went out anyways. But guys, just when we were out looking for the cat, literally this cat walked into a neighbor's house. Kelly, my neighbor, got to meet her over this thing. And I said, I got to get my picture taken with this cat. I've told everyone about this cat. And so I think there's a few pictures. Oh, yeah, that's us. Uh, they... And ironically, you know, I went into this house, had to meet the cat, met my neighbor and all this kind of stuff. I was walking the dog. Us three were out on a walk with the dog. I thought, can't leave the, yeah, no doubt. They put a poster board up right in front of my house. Um, while I went inside to get pictures taken with this cat, we left the dog outside. I'm in talking to Kelly, la la, it's a great story, lost cat, but people are lost. We're trying to find them, come to Salt Church, all this stuff. I'm literally heading towards the door to finally leave, thinking, wasn't that neat? And I thought, oh my word, where's my dog? lost my dog. You know, I left the dog outside, lost the dog, thought I'm going to need to get the bounty hunter um, hunting my dog. But no, we found Benny. So it's all good. But here's what I thought about though. My neighborhood's been super excited. You thought the Gators won the national championship all over again because Sally's been found. But I thought, what, what limited joy and what limited news? I mean, think about it. This good news about Sally, it meant something, really something to one person and maybe the guy she was dating, Sally's owners. It was good news to them and something. It meant something to one neighborhood, my neighborhood. But honestly, this meant nothing to the world. <laughs> it meant absolutely nothing to anyone really outside of my neighborhood. But what I'm gonna share with you this morning, this was good news, not only to two cat owners in one neighborhood. Literally, this good news was of joy and peace and the possibility of eternal life and eternal joy for all people. This is news that all need to hear about. And it comes from this account that's already been read from a little bit, Luke chapter two. Let me just kind of jump in. Joseph and Mary, as has already been said, were being counted up along with the entire Roman world. A census was gonna be taken. They wanna know how many people are around the Roman world and to do it, they didn't email in the results they actually had to go to their birthplace. So get this, that Christmas season, everyone is traveling back to their birthplace, everyone, heading back to the origin of their birth. You thought Gainesville traffic was bad with football games. You thought I-75 was bad at Thanksgiving. Guys, this is everyone on the roads moving at the same time. And David and Joseph are two, uh, I'm sorry, Joseph and Mary were, were two of them along their road 
all the way to Bethlehem. Guys, Bethlehem, about 70 miles they had to travel. And the Bible says that they were engaged to be married, and yet she was pregnant. She was pregnant. You think, okay, there's a problem there. Well, there's a miracle there is what's going on. Because at this point, they're only betrothed. It's like engagement, but just more serious. Likely, this is something parents would do, kind of match make their kids. This is marriage is together. It's called betrothal. And this was typically done in their teenage years. So get this. You have a couple, Joseph and Mary, heading about 70 miles on foot. She is likely towards the very end of her pregnancy. They are engaged or betrothed to be married. They're with child miraculously from God, and they are heading down towards Bethlehem. Now, Jenny's had three babies, was there for all of them, nearly passed out every time. I am amazed at the miracle of birth, but when was the last time, moms, you had a 70-mile foot march or donkey ride that far into pregnancy, right? They are heading a long distance and there is no room for them in this inn. It's a miracle that she is pregnant. She was told this would happen. Joseph was going to divorce her quietly. Being a righteous man, he thought, I don't know it's a miracle yet. Maybe she's been unfaithful. An angel let Joseph know, no, she's not been unfaithful. This is a miracle of God. And Joseph bravely stays with Mary. They head towards Bethlehem where Jesus Christ, the long awaited king, was born. Let me read a couple of verses. It'll be on the screen. Luke 2, 6 and 7 says, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And that's it. That's simply the divine king of glory moves from heaven itself into the womb of this young virgin and makes his grand entrance into the world. Would he be born in a royal palace fit for a king? Far from it. He was born in a place worse than any dive motel you've ever driven past. He was born somewhere in Bethlehem. We're not told exactly where. Some think maybe a, a barn or a stable. We're not sure. But interestingly, around Bethlehem, up in the hillside, are caves, caves used by shepherds over hundreds and hundreds of years prior to this event. Caves that shepherds would huddle in with their sheep, maybe to get out of a storm. It is quite possible that Joseph and Mary, this teenage couple going into labor with their first child, huddled into a cave in the side of a hillside in Bethlehem, a cave where there would be no fresh straw, only two, three feet of manure on the ground. Ceilings not clean like you have shans, no, probably thick and covered with soot over hundreds of years of fires that had burned by shepherds. This teenage couple perhaps in there, maybe in the dark, alone, no medical staff, no nurses, no hospital, no nothing, trying to figure out how to have their first baby. What a humble beginning. You can't script it any more humble than this. And then in their arms, they held God who simultaneously gave strength to the arms 
that was holding him. God in human flesh come as a savior of the world. Can you imagine that pitiful, humble, desperate scene? Imagine those young, that young couple struggling to believe that God would take this little infant placed in a manger that would be an animal's feeding trough. This little infant that God would raise this child up to be literally the savior of the world. And yet the scriptures are gonna continue. As I mused on this passage this season, what stood out to me most was not how these events must've hit Joseph and Mary, but how it must've like hit this crew of shepherds that were literally camping out in that area that night. Listen to a few more verses here. Luke chapter two, verse eight says this. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a savior was born for you who is the Messiah of the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. There were shepherds, shepherds out in those. These would be the only guys who'd be outside, right? They're camping, of course they are. They're with their sheep, that's what shepherds do. And shepherds, by the way, are not like the most like morally elite in their day and age, okay? They're like the guys from like the wrong side of the tracks. They're the ones, moms, you would not be excited if your daughter's brought home, you know, to, to, to meet you at, at Christmas break. They were the ones that, that had questionable morals, the rough cut, the edges of society. What does it say to you that God's message of the gospel first came to them? What does it say about our God that the good news of great joy for all people would first come to them? Not the religious elite, not the ones off in their temples, maybe reading their ancient biblical scripts. No, to the shepherds. God was making a statement here. This God, this Jesus would grow up. He would dine with sinners. He'd eat with prostitutes. He would hang out with all the wrong people because our God didn't come for healthy, good people. He came for the desperate, the weak, the vulnerable, the ones who'd messed their lives up with a thousand poor choices. That's who he came for, the shepherds. That's who he first revealed himself to. I'm telling you, Based on the shepherd's response to the angel Lord, we know that this encounter was absolutely unexpected. It was unexpected. It's the last thing the shepherds thought was happening that night. What were they doing? They're doing what shepherds do. At night, you keep watch over your flocks, right? Because shepherds are like watchdogs. At night, when others slept soundly, these guys fought to stay awake, to guard their flocks from harm, from the wolves that would attack and kill what was valuable to them. They were tough, but the tough were about to be terrified. In fact, on this night, the shepherds weren't surrounded by a pack of wolves. No, on this night, the shepherds were surrounded by the glory of God. And they were terrified. The tough guys were terrified. They were prepared for wolves who would hurt. What they found was a God who came to heal. 
These guys expected wolves who would steal. What they met that night was a God who came to give. His coming was so unexpected, so unexpected to them, but not only unexpected, it was undeserved. The message that they had, the message that they heard from the angel, totally undeserved. Let me key in on it one last time. In verse 10, it says this, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today. In the city of David, a savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. And, and, and they go on to sing in verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven. And look at this, peace on earth to people he favors. Guys, that was the message. The message of the angels to the shepherds was totally undeserved. They were told this, one is coming to you whose name is Jesus. Jesus means the Lord saves. Even his name told everyone, God's coming to rescue you which implies you need to be rescued. All of humanity needed to be rescued, every last one of us for our sins, for the things you think no one knows about you, but God does, for the things you've said and you regret it, you wish you could take it back, you wish you hadn't hit sin, for the things you said to your parents you're ashamed of, the things you've done, the things you've only thought. Fully aware was God over all of it. And though we have grief over our sin, God says in his name, I'm gonna give you a message. God's coming to save you. God's coming to rescue. See, this is the news that's undeserved. Good news, great joy for all people. And it included the shepherds and it could include you as well. See, this baby Jesus didn't come to be immortalized in a nativity set. He did not come so that people could light some candles on Christmas Eve, you know, set the scene, drink some eggnog, get the vibe going, get some Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas is you. No, Jesus didn't come for Christmas feels. He came because people were desperately heading towards judgment without him. And he came to rescue. He came to live that perfect life that we know we've never lived. And he came not for that cradle ultimately, and not even for a castle. He came for the cross. We know that this Jesus came to die on this cross. He came to live that perfect life, to die for us and to rise from the dead. This is a message for all. This is good news. And just like you may receive a Christmas gift free of charge, right? No parent puts a receipt on the back. <laughs> pay it back. Like that's bad gift giving. Like, no, this Jesus would be given free of charge. And all you got to do is receive him. He was a gift given to all. I'm telling you the news of Jesus, it's unexpected, but it's undeserved. And it hit me undeserved when I was a senior in high school. I was just talking to a student today who literally within the last couple of weeks gave his life to Christ. And I was just telling him, I'm like, it was a few days before Christmas, a bunch of years ago, Jesus broke into my life. It was unexpected. It was unexpected because at first I, like the shepherds, was guarding not a group of sheep, but literally a life that I didn't want messed with. I was guarding my joy as good as I knew how to put it together. I, mean, I was trying to get pretty good grades and yeah, okay, I was doing some questionable things on the weekend that I hope some people didn't know about. But you know what? All in all, I was trying my best and it would seem like God stepping into my life would be a rude interruption and in fact would perhaps like a wolf steal 
the joy I thought I could figure out by staying in control of all I was, all I am, and the future out ahead of me. Little did I know, God was not coming to take. He was coming to give. And it was a few days before Christmas that someone made sense to me that Jesus Christ came not to control my life, to give me life, that I could be forgiven by faith in him, that the gift of Christmas was a relationship with him. It wasn't something, it was someone. And I needed to let him into my life. Guys, that was the news. It was unexpected. It was undeserved. Look at how the shepherds respond. I love this. Verse 15, back to the text. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. I, I love some of the words there. Let's go. They, they just hurried off. Like these guys were like, you are kidding me. It's right over there. It's, I don't know what they did with like Fluffy and Snowball or whatever their sheep were called. Like, I don't know what, who was there behind. The shepherds just take off. They book it. They head over there because it's right over there. This miracle right there. They, they run off to encounter this Jesus who was, yes, unexpected and, and undeserved. But what we're about to see in something they did was this message was uncontainable. Look with me at verse 17. It says, after seeing them, that is after the shepherds saw Jesus and Joseph and Mary, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that had, they had seen and heard, which were just as had been told. Guys, first off, what, what was the message they were sharing that they were reporting everywhere? Good news, great joy for all the people, even us. A savior's come who saved you from your sins. He could save us. These shepherds raw as they were. Can you imagine that night? Them just stepping into that firelight Maybe Joseph and Mary got a fire off the side. The baby's laying in a feeding trough. I mean, all that scene. Imagine these shepherds coming in. It's scary enough when someone knocks on your door at night that you aren't expecting. What happens when that ragged crew come stepping into the shadows, you know, into the fire? But with joy, they were the first ones to hear. And then they did something they were not told to do. They went and told others what they had seen. They weren't told. Nowhere in this text, and I've read this text and I've read the other ones, nowhere does the angel say, I got a command. You're going to hate this. This is awful. This is the worst part about the whole thing. You're supposed to tell other people about Jesus. I know, right? It's tough. We angels, we don't want to do it either, but this is what you do. You have to tell other people. It's just part of the deal. <sighs> Guys, it wasn't like that. No angel dropped that burden on these young Christ followers. No angel dropped that guilt on them. The angels went out and immediately started telling people about Jesus. Immediately started telling people a savior, the Messiah, the long way to one. We know Jesus, the Lord saves. He's come. You have to know 
What motivated the shepherds to spread the news? Guys, they weren't commanded to tell people about Jesus because no command was necessary. See, from football teams to family highlights, all of us talk happily, freely, and constantly about what we enjoy most. My lack of evangelism is not so much an absence of skillful delivery, but of misplaced joy. That's what it is. They did not need to be told to tell. (laughs) They just talked about it because it was the best thing they'd ever encountered. And I'm telling you, I am challenged this Christmas season as a follower of Jesus for a bunch of years now, not to fine, I'll do it. I'll talk to my neighbors about Jesus that they need. No, my challenge isn't so much of evangelism. Evangelism is always the overflow of what the heart delights in. We're all evangelists and we're all talking incessantly about what we enjoy most from fantasy football to Pinterest to whatever the song, whatever it is you're sharing, whatever it is it's bubbling over, whatever it is you can't stop talking about. If you don't know what it is, ask your friends. They'll say, that's what you're excited about. I'm saying the problem is so much with evangelism. It's with a joy that God would want to rekindle in us. Oh, Saul Church, as I muse on this passage for this Christmas to the Christian, I would ask you this question because it's one I'm being asked of myself. Have we misplaced our joy this Christmas? Is there anything we're more excited about? I get it. There is shopping and let's get some finals done and let's just get home. But I'm telling you, The enjoyment and delight in Jesus is what God would have for us. And the overflow of that would be a joyful, life-giving sharing of Jesus to the next person, just like the one I heard just came to know Jesus. And maybe you're here today, and you, you, you are where I was some years ago where I heard some things about Jesus. I just never put it together. I'm telling you, Today could be for you the day of salvation. There is a world that is full of sorrow. Uh, Claire, my daughter, um, said, hey, dad, why don't we pull everyone who's kind of living in our home together last night so that we could have a time of prayer for the service? And I thought, "Ah, that's a great idea. I should have said something like that myself. You know, it's like, ah, loser. (laughs) So then I just had to agree with a good idea. And I... I sat downstairs and we started talking about how Jesus comes to bring peace, peace on earth, favor um, to people. And and we started talking about how few people have peace. And uh, uh, one of of the gals said that she had met someone, didn't give a name, but someone so overwhelmed with depression that this college gal could hardly eat her next meal. It's heartbreaking. Um, Others who've maybe experienced divorce and I, I can only imagine, because I've seen it in my mom's eyes, just the flood of tears and the agony, the shockwave that that sends through a family. Sorrow and grief and pain is the experience of so many. And here steps in Jesus, who can calm the oceans, a raging just torrent of rain. He can stop it all. He can shut it all down. He can bring peace where there's nothing but chaos. And oh, that some people this Christmas season would reach out for Jesus and go, I need you. I need Jesus. 
You need peace with God and you need peace with others. First, make peace with God. Jesus came, again, not to stay a child, but to go to a cross. He was crushed on a cross, crucified, because he was paying the penalty of our sins. He was literally crucified for you, for me. And then raised victoriously three days later to show this, that if you would ask Jesus to forgive you, you too in dying would rise from the grave with him. You can be forgiven and start a new life. And I'm telling you, having peace with God is where it begins so that you can begin to have peace in your soul, to move forward in the storms and have the joy of Christ. He wants that for you. Oh, Christian, let us fall in love with Jesus all over again. And may the overflow be that the world hears us. The world hears about it, just like shepherds, a ragged group that we are, just like shepherds, tell them everyone. But may some today, just like Mac prayed in there with the choir right before the service, everyone was praying these long prayers. And then Mac just said, I pray that someone today gives their life to Jesus. That was it. Just short to the point. And maybe today someone realizes I'm done with being the God of my own life. I'm done with the guilt of my own sin. I'm done with my shame. I'm done with the fear of death and then eternal judgment. I want to meet Jesus today. I want to be forgiven. I want to receive the free gift. I want forgiveness. I need peace. I need hope. I need forgiveness. I need his joy. Then I would say, as I pray, you pray and ask Jesus to come in, forgive you of all your sins. He promised he would. Give him the right to reign your life and he'll do that. Forgive you and rule on your heart. Let me, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for Christmas. Thank you, Jesus, for coming for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the Savior. Saviors save people. And God, not from a, a building on fire, but from an eternal judgment that we deserve. Oh, Jesus, I pray out for the one that Mac prayed for. Maybe it's way more than one but perhaps there is one person here who says, I think he was praying for me because I have no peace and I have no joy and I certainly have no calm in my soul that I am forgiven before God for my sins. Oh God, may that one person, may that one person that Mac prayed for, I join in his prayer. Oh God, would you allow that person to say, today is the day. Jesus, I invite you into my life. Would you please forgive me? That's what Christmas is about. I missed it. I missed it in all the wrapping paper. I missed it in Black Friday. I missed it in eggnog and Christmas songs. I missed it. It was always about you, Jesus, God coming for humanity. May today be the day where you say, please forgive me and come into my life. Forgive me and give me the joy and peace that only you can give. And oh God, may others who know you, maybe for years, maybe for decades, have a profound renewed joy. May you be more exciting than any team, than any World Cup, than any national championship, than any fantasy football, than all the things that are small and trivial. God, may you have our hearts. May you be the center of our joy and may the overflow of it be an evangelism that's a bit like the shepherds, unprompted, uncommanded, uncontainable. We ask this in your name, amen.